Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 56. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier on in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at vjourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at networknerd underscore. Hey Nick, how's it going? Hey John, I'm doing great. We are pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. Yeah, so we're uh, not VMware engineers because... Again, I've left VMware. Who knows where uh, where I am at this point in time because we're recording in the past. Yeah, but, it's um, so unexpected, John. I feel like we're talking about unexpected things and it fits perfectly. Hey, I'd just like to thank all the people who I'm sure will be bombarding my inbox um, with uh, uh, curiosity and uh, concern. Um, I'm just preemptively saying uh, thank you very much. I'm, I'm sure that you've done that. Uh, don't worry about me. I'll be fine. <laughs> the thousands of people, right? Yes. At least the tens of people. <laughs> it's probably better that you, you don't have access to respond because it would, you just wouldn't have enough time. Yeah. Right. I'd be no doing nothing but responding. Yeah. Can't have that. <laughs> right. Right. Um, okay. Let's get serious. Uh, the topic this week is part four of preparing for unexpected career opportunities. Um, we kind of went over in part one the different types of unexpected career opportunities and why you should be prepared. Part two, we talked about the different scenarios. In part three, we talked about actually moving forward um, and the situations that you'd want to move forward and the best ways to move forward. So part four, decision time. Actually mm -hmm. making a decision whether or not to take an offer. I feel pressure, John. I mean, I'm not in this situation right now, but I, I feel pressure just podcasting about it. So let's just suppose you get an offer letter or maybe mm -hmm. a verbal offer. Uh, do you take it? Do you walk away? Because, I mean, what if you weren't looking in the first place? How do I know? Right. So let's, um, let's define terms here. Um, usually an offer letter is a very official thing where they've gone through the process of um, putting together, um, you know, more of like what they view as like a legal document, like internally, like getting the, you know, the terms and the numbers that, that they've presented to you approved by their internal management and, and put into a document for you to sign. Um, in my opinion, uh, you know, and that's actually how it is with big companies. With smaller companies, it might be much less formal. Um, in my mind, you don't really want to make a company go through that process unless you're planning to take the offer. So the decision point should come before they're putting an official offer letter together, right? So that decision point should be coming when you're discussing what the offer letter would look like. Okay, um, John, you know, tell me what it is that you're expecting in terms of salary. Uh, Nick, um, here's, you know, the neighborhood of what we're willing to offer. Um, how does that look to you? You know, tell me like what you need more and, and the things that maybe aren't as important to you. 
Um, you know, th that's the decision point there, right? When you're looking at the number, you know, kind of it's a, in an unofficial state, um, and they're saying we are willing to make this financial commitment to you um, in this neighborhood. So um, at that point, and actually, you know, pretty much at every point in the past when you're progressing through, you know, you need to be asking yourself the question: Is this opportunity interesting enough to continue pursuing? So, I mean, I definitely have, you know, called off and and ended a uh, in an interview process, you know before we got to that final offer stage, you know, like where um, I talked to a company and I still didn't understand the value of their product, for example, or I, I understood what it was that they were doing and I wasn't interested in being part of it. Um, you know, things like that, you know, I just said, Hey, you know, thanks so much for your uh, time in this process. Um, I'm going to have to bow out. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, you guys are going to find a, a great candidate and it's, I just think that I'm not the right person. I, I'm not a good match. So, you know, you should be doing that at every point, you know, as you move forward. So as you walk out of an interview, you should be saying, okay, here's what I told them about myself. What did I find out about the organization, about the position, about the coworkers, about what I would be doing in that position? Am I still interested you know, there is, there's a reason that I decided to move forward. Maybe it was just practice interviewing. Um, am I happy with the amount of practice that I've gotten and I'm just not interested in pursuing it anymore? Or have I become interested in the organization and the product or, or the job? Um, all of those things you should be asking yourself at every stage. You shouldn't just drift through the process and then suddenly have an offer letter in front of you and go, oh, wait, you know, I wasn't you know, I wasn't serious about any of this. Like now you've really wasted people's time. So at the point when you realize that you're not interested, you should just tell them. Absolutely. And as you're going through this, you need to make sure that you know what's important to you and in what order, you know, is money the most important thing is not having to travel. The most important thing is flexible schedule. The most important thing, where do those rank? in your top five, let's just say that you really want, you know, whether you have them now or not, think ideal scenario. And obviously if the offer doesn't fit that, hopefully you've communicated what it is that you want so that they can modify that. Assuming you've thought seriously about taking it. But as you said, if I haven't thought about what's important to me, then I've wasted a lot of time and I'm going to have a really hard time making any kind of decision. Absolutely. So that's why we, you know, we advocated talking about and, you know, discovering what is important to you early on in the process, you know, before you're um, even approached, you know, um, you should be doing that on a regular basis, you know, talking about it, you know, with yourself or with your family, you know, your significant other, your kids, you know, if you include them in that kind of conversation, hey, how do you like it here in the city? You know, would you be interested in moving? You know, how close to your friends are you? How do you like the school there? And, you know, all those things, you know, you, you kind of want to be taking the temperature, you know, constantly, not maybe not to the point where you make your family feel uncertain and unstable, but, you know, you just kind of want to know how happy they are. Um, so, all of those things, right? Like, uh, you know, if I was away on work trips more often, how would that affect you? You know, if I was home more often, how would that affect you? You know, would you like that? 
or would he not like it? <laughs> yeah. How would you feel about mom and dad being on different continents? <laughs> I mean, it would, we'd see each other once every three months. It's cool. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, you mentioned putting things in order and I think that that is very important, but you should also think about, you know, what you would trade, you know, on a lower tier for a higher tier, you know, so money is the most important thing and it, and it trumps like flexible schedule, but there's probably an amount of flexibility that if I were given, I'd be willing to compromise on money, for example, right? So you're saying for $10,000 less, I can work only 20 hours a week. I mean, you know, depending on what the total compensation is, maybe that's a small drop in the bucket bucket in terms of total compensation for tons and tons of extra free time. Um, you know, and that's probably an extreme example, but, um, you know, keep, keep in mind, you know, what it is that you'd be willing to trade off, you know, time for money, um, work-life balance for, um, something else, you know, so, uh, you know, just again, keep that in mind. If you say, Hey, money is the most important thing. And they come out with like a, you know, huge number and you can't say no to it, but what you're going to have to do is work 90 hours a week, um, for the next 10 years, you know, to, to keep progressing at this job like that, that's a lot of grind, right? That's a, a lot of sacrifice of work-life balance. And you might need to spend some of that money on, uh, um, counseling for you and your family and, uh, you know, divorce. So, um, you know, just again, keep all of those things in mind and, and really know like to what degree you're, um, you're comp you're willing to compromise, uh, and trade one thing for another. So, I don't think that, uh, that, you know, we have a ton of guidance without, you know, a specific set of circumstances and a specific, you know, what people uh, think is important and how they prioritize it is extremely personal, right? You know, for some people, they love travel and that's going to be super, super important. And they'd be willing to make, you know, a little or even a lot less money if they got to go to really interesting places and, and see the world. Um, and, you know, for some people, you know, they'd be willing to trade, uh, to, you know, take less money to not have to travel at all, right? Because they're very, very um, tied to the, the specific metro area or even neighborhood that they live in, you know? And so it's very, very personal. You have to figure those things out for yourself. We said that in part one, and here's the application, right? That's how you look at the lens of, um, of these uh, proposed offers. Um, you know, you, you have to, so, so we've talked about, you know, exactly what that, that offer letter is in that offer stage and the, and the two different kinds of offers and, and exactly when you should be making that evaluation and the fact that you should be evaluating things at every step of the way. Um, it, but we, you know, I just wanted to point out that we did have, um, an episode on when to not pursue an opportunity. I think we called it out last episode, but we'll say it again. Episode 17, reasons to not pursue an opportunity. I mean, it was both during interviews and after the offer stage or, you know, after the soft offer, verbal offer. So um, go ahead and listen to that episode again. Tell us how much content we're repeating because we certainly did not listen to it before we did this episode. John didn't. Yeah, Nick's not saying that he did, but he definitely is saying that I didn't. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, just here to point out skill gaps, John, and how you can fill them. It's, pre it's preparation gaps. I have the skills. I just didn't prepare. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, 
keep in mind, you know, again, as you're making these evaluations that when you are the one who's being asked to make a change, the company that's making this offer has to sell you on that change. There's something about what it is that they're offering you that should be different, you know, and better. Like, you know, you have a series of things that are important to you. It should be a better match than what you have today, right? Now, some, you know, maybe it's, you know, again, all the things that you value, it should, you know, again, if it's travel, if it's locale, if it's um, work-life balance, if it's compensation, like all of those things, you know, should be a better match to your priorities than what you have. Um, and at the same time, you know, they should have a company vision and set of ethics and, and, and values that matches yours, right? So that should be part of it. I mean, again, if that's part of your, uh, part of your vision, right? Uh, that you want to have a match between your values and your company's values. I, I suppose for some people that isn't important, you know, and, and they feel like that, you know, it's just not a priority in which case don't worry about that. Right. Um, so that gap, you know, like, uh, there should be a differentiation between what it is that they have and what they're offering and what it is that you have now. So, you know, very, very important. And then again, you know, if you have a family, um, you know, immediate family, chosen family, you know, your birth family, um, you know, the, the people in your life that are important to you and this decision is going to affect, you know, you should consult them. Um, they're not the final arbiters of, you know, who, of what you should be doing, but, um, you know, these are people in your life and it's going to, you know, affect their lives as well. Um, again, it's, it's not always, you know, the, the thing that is going to make or break this decision, but, um, you know, consider how it's going to affect the people in your life. And, uh, if, it, if you are, you know, a member of a family, like if you have a significant other, if you have kids, you know, it should be, uh, you know, at least partially a family decision. Maybe that's just me and, and my, my view of how family should work. But, um, I, I yeah. really feel like that's pretty important. That is important. I mean, I can give you an anecdote. You know, I, I lived most of my life 12 hours away from a, my grandmother mm -hmm. on one side of the family and, you know, 10 hours from another. So my daughter now lives 10 minutes from two of her grandparents. And, you know, if I were to take a job that relocated us, then I would be putting her in the same situation I was in when I was a kid. So I'm going to shy away from that. And there's really, not, you know, I, I just don't know that there's something that could get me to uproot everyone. Mm. I, say, I say that now, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, that's an important thing, the proximity to, family. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, a great example of personal value and family value. Um, and, uh, you know, something that probably if you talk to your daughter, she would say, yeah, that's, you know, I really love that. And it's super important to me. And maybe she wouldn't know how to express that, but you know, you, you just get the sense. Um, you know, for me, for example, like I grew up like over 18 hours away from my closest grandparent. Um, and then, you know, like, uh, two day flight away from my other one. So <laughs> that's not something that I've ever um, experienced being that close. Um, but I would, you know, probably value being close to um, one or both of, of those, uh, you know, grandparents. Um, 
my wife's family is in Idaho and my, my mother lives in Southern California, which is, you know, six hours away, both by flight and actually, and by drive. So, um, that's something I'm going to have to consider. Hmm. Hmm. Something to think about. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for the, 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 the thought provoking right in the middle of this uh, podcast, Nick. Hey, no problem. (laughs) It was unexpected. It fit well. Yeah. So one more time, John, I'm going to ask the question. Should I leverage this offer for a raise at my current company, even if I'm thinking about taking the job? Um, again, I'll say like a strong no, right? If if you need more compensation, if if it's not a match, um, if you rather would stay with your current company, then you should stay. Um, and if the offer is including things that you are realizing, you know, maybe even just having gone through the process, it's um, exposed things that are gaps at your current employer, um, at your current organization that you want addressed, then you should ask your employer to address them and come up with a plan between, you know, you and your manager and, and maybe your skip um, to, to address those things. You know, it doesn't, I think that you're really like undercutting that request by coming in with an offer from from an outside organization because you're saying like you know do this or else i'm gone and again they might say okay we'll do those things and then again they might just be you know quietly looking for backfill you know for someone who's not so demanding and who isn't you know doesn't have one foot out the door because that's the perception you know that you have one foot out the door just because you you went and you've got another offer like you're you're already looking and you know you know maybe those are the things that you're unhappy about but maybe they haven't addressed all of them and you're still going to be unhappy and so you're going to leave anyway you know that's a a strong signal and maybe your skip level is the ceo because it's a small company you're coming from and that's pretty intimidating to me (laughs) (laughs) i mean to have go have that conversation negotiate with the ceo i mean they know how to negotiate so it's not a not an easy ride, but yeah. And, and I think, you know, even if you're, if you're going to say no to the offer, you know, we'll take the leveraging it to get a raise at the current company off the table. You say no. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm not going to take the offer, then I still want to maintain a professional uh, candor with the recruiter or whoever's presented it to me. Like, thanks. It just doesn't match what I wanted. You know, hopefully you told them what you wanted during the process. Right. And you're, you're letting them down easy. And if you don't want to negotiate any further, then you just say no and you walk away. Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, you just maintain that professionalism throughout because you never know when they're going to come back. You know, maybe they represent a different company and it's a different position and it is a kind of a much, much better fit. And you maintained your professionalism throughout and they, they said, you know what, like that neck, he was a good egg. You know, he, he was very clear about what he needed when we couldn't meet that need. He was very clear that he wouldn't be happy taking the offer, but I think that I have a much better match this time. And he was such a good candidate and he interviewed so well, you know, that's what you want those people to be thinking. Sure. Um, you know, the recruiter and maybe even the hiring manager, the hiring manager might say, Hey, you know, I remember that guy and now I work at a different company and it's a much better match. I remember the things that he needed. And again, this is going to be a great opportunity. How do I get hold of that guy? And and this is, you know, saying no to something like that actually gives you really good experience in having a difficult conversation with someone that 
you know, you might have to try and take the emotion out of what you have it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you might, you might be upset that they didn't give you what you want or sad or something like that. That is just not going to work out and they may be upset, you don't know, mm -hmm. but it's a, it's a tough conversation that not everyone is prepared to have because we just don't do that every day, just like we don't interview every day. So it's, it's good practice in social interaction and the, the subtle art of, of doing that. Yeah. And the, the art of saying no, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, how about this, John? Let's just say that I say, yes, mm -hmm. I'm going to accept this offer. So, you know, some employers, I would say probably most have some sort of background check process slash drug screen that is in conjunction with the offer before or after how soon should I let my current company know that I'm going to take this offer and who do I tell first? Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, background checks and, and all the other hoops that you're going to have to jump through to actually gain employment. And again, you know, maybe uh, small businesses don't have these things or maybe they have, you know, different ones um, and larger organizations have, you know, yet other ones. Um, the things that you the make thing that you want to make sure that you do again, you're at this point in the process They're they're coming back with an official offer letter, just clarify what are all the steps that we have to go through in order for me to become an employee. Like, for example, I remember at VMware, there's a background check before they would give you an official offer letter. If that's not the case at an organization that you're going to go through, you know, uh, you know, take a job at, they maybe make the offer, have you sign an offer letter, and then they give you a back background check that, you know, you could possibly fail or, or whatever, you know, that's, that's not a good thing. What if you've uh, already given notice at that point? So clarify um, what the entire process is, right? Um, all the things that could quote unquote go wrong or for you know reasons that they would you know turn you down and say no you, you can't come work here um you need to know every you know go no go decision point and say whatever notice that i'm going to give my employer it has to be after that final no go go no go decision right so after the background check after this after that whatever so you know if they have a um amount of time that they know that it's going to take say hey you know i need two weeks notice after that point or three weeks notice or four weeks or whatever it is that you want to give, you know, the, the higher up in the leadership of an organization you are, um, the higher up of an executive, I think the more time that you should give, you know, to, to give, um, time to do a proper transition. But as an individual contributor, you know, you almost always don't need to give more than two or three weeks. Yeah. And one thing to consider there is, you know, we never want to think this way, but, in my head, there's always the possibility that when you resign, you could be told, okay, today's your last day and that's yeah. it. So if you jump the gun on that before you get through all the process on the other side, you could really shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's known as being uh, walked, right? They're going to walk you out the door. Um, it, which is, you know, you're, you're an at will employee usually. Right. And you're saying, Hey, I'm, I want to, stop working on this day. And they say, well, we want to stop, have you stop working today. <laughs> and that's, that's not good. You know, you never want that. And, you know, depending on the organization that you work for and, you know, where you're going to go, maybe, you know, you're going to a direct competitor and they're saying, okay, well, you know, you know, we just feel, we'd feel more nervous about the damage that you could do and the time that you'd be here 
than you know the comfort of the transition. But if you're demonstrating, you know, that you're willing to, you know, you're going in good faith and you want to, you know, uh, make sure that you, you know, do a, a full, you know, good transition that, you know, the less likely that is, but, you know, they just might have a policy. So actually one of the things you might want to discuss with a company that's giving you this offer is, okay, what if I get walked, you know, is there a way for me to start early? So, you know, ask the question, right? And if they don't, point. if they don't have any flexibility, then you should know that, you know, and, and maybe that would inform you, you know, inform your decision to tell your employer, like, you know, where you are going to go, right? So if you give like, you know, two weeks notice and saying, hey, I'm gonna go work for your competitor, well, maybe you don't wanna do that, right? Maybe you'd be, um, you know, more interested in saying something like, hey, I'm I'm giving two weeks notice, you know, it's for personal reasons and um, I really don't wanna discuss it any further, um, but I'm willing to do, you know, take those two weeks to do a full transition. I mean, that's fine, right? The, there's no, you don't owe them an explanation other than you're leaving. So, um, uh, you know, that's that's my guidance anyway. Yeah, that's a that is a tough call to make. You know what I mean? It, to tell or not tell where you're going. I could understand if it's a competitor not wanting to tell. I, I think maybe some of it probably depends on what's your relationship with your direct manager. Yeah. What What do you know about them? How much do you trust them? And again, it's a situation where you cannot completely control what happens when you release that information. Absolutely. And, and I feel like there's a little bit of paranoia in everybody's mind at that time because it's, you know, it's it's nerve wracking. Yeah. If I get if I get walked, do I have enough money in the bank to cover that gap? I hope yeah. so. <laughs> you know, it may be it may be a month before I get paid again if that happens. Yeah, that's very very true. And again, like that goes to financial preparation, right? Um, so, like if you have the financial you know cushion, then maybe that's less of an issue. I also think that it's very dependent on the role. Like, really, the only time that I've ever heard about people getting walked is if they are like software engineers going to a direct competitor in the exact same role. Right. So if you are in autonomous driving at one company and going to work for the autonomous driving department of a different company, like you kind of got to expect that they're not going to want you to even have the temptation to take any of your uh, the IP that you've been working on with you. So they might show you the door at that point. But if you're, you know, in, you know, an aerospace company working on rocket engines and then you're going to go work for, uh, um, you know, an environmental uh, company that, you know, is, um, you know, doing stuff on like wildlife restoration. It, it's not a direct competitor. It, it doesn't, it's not in a related field. Um, you know, don't worry about it. Oh, geez. I just realized unless it's like, that's an environmental organization that's directly protesting against your, your airspace firm. Uh, <laughs> just, I, I just, uh, you know, made up those examples. So uh, <laughs> I didn't think about it too, too, too Unexpe closely. Unexpected examples by John. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. You know, and just, you know, play it by ear. Like, you know, your judgment is best. And, you know, when you're in that situation, you're the one who has to live with the financial um, implications. So, you know, you're the one who has to make that call. Right. But, it, but in general, like, unless you're going to a direct competitor, like not even like, an associated competitor, like, you know, direct competitor. 
Yeah, and while that may be a difficult call, one of the easiest calls that you can make is to sign up for the John White School of Mentoring. Send that tweet out to at Dirt Journey today for pricing and packaging. We'd be happy to get you some of John's time to talk through this very personal scenario in your life and how to coach you through it. <laughs> right, if this episode isn't enough. Um, I, I, I want to say something. You know, I mentioned transitions um, before. And I would just like to uh, talk about that process of, of transitioning things. I have had some like amazing colleagues who've um, transitioned accounts to me. Um, I'll give a shout out to uh, Chris Murdoch, who gave me like years of meeting notes and you know his um, view on on accounts and and how things were going and and. Um, the ins and outs. I, I mean, just a full, like, awesome transition. And the the fact that somebody's willing to do that for me has really, like, encouraged me to do the exact same thing for other people. So, you know, you know, in every situation, well, I mean, I'll talk about this specific situation, you know, I was leaving the organization and I wanted to be upfront and say, hey, I, I want you to, guys to know that I'm going to do a full brain dump on everything that I know about everything just, you know, so when I walk away, um, you know, you have my entire brain map. Um, you know, it's not as, it's not going to be as good as having me around, but, um, everything that I can do to make sure that you have what you need for a smooth transition, um, you're going to get from me. And I felt like, you know, really good about that. I felt like I was paying it forward. Um, so again, shout out to Chris Murdoch. And do you make yourself available to be, telephoned or send a message or two with additional questions after that yeah. or no? I, I said yes, you know, and that is like, you know, based on the relationship that I have with these people, right. It is a really positive relationship. I, you know, I really like my colleagues, really like my manager, really like my director. So I think that they're not going to abuse that, right. They're not going to, you know, get me on the phone for, you know, four hours a day. And, uh, um, you know, they're going to be very, very careful about, you know, calling me. And, and I think, you know, that's a, you know, I respect their judgment. And if there's something that's missing there that, you know, they're going to, um, you know, want that information and I'm happy to give it to them. So, you know, that's just a, a mutual respect situation, right? So if you're leaving a bad situation where you have like a, a bad relationship, like, with you know the, the manager of the team like i still think that it's worth doing like a, a really good transition and making sure that they have all the information that they need like you don't want to get sued for like oh hey like you know you know john walked away and he locked all the passwords and didn't give them to us you know like you don't want any of that kind of liability or headache you know you want to be able to point to you know that situation say situation say i did everything you know under my ethical responsibility and you know um I left on the best terms that I could leave and then leave. Now you might not be open to phone calls at that point, but you know, anybody that you have a good relationship with, you want to make sure that, you know, you're open to, you know, re-engaging with them at any point in time in the future, right? Those are your possible job references in the future. It's, you know, everybody, um, you know, they might be able to do you favors and you might be able to do them favors. So, um, just, keep as many doors open as possible. That's my, my, uh, pep talk for that. Um, you know, for me, you know, cause I'm in a sales engineering position, it was about accounts, 
Um, it was about in-flight, you know, projects and ideas that I had about those accounts. Um, if you're in IT operations, maybe it's about projects that you have going. Maybe it's about ideas for projects that you had, or you know, you're halfway through, um, you know, overseeing or uh, you know things that you needed to execute by a certain deadline that you know is past when you're um, planning on being at the organization. So you want to just you know give like a current state document. Here's you know, the project, here's what needs to happen. Here's the overall goal. Here's the philosophy behind why I executed the way I did. Here's all the next steps that I had in, you know, kind of the map forward. Um, you know, so somebody can pick up the document and say, okay, I kind of know exactly what it was that he was thinking and, and what he was going to do and why. And that's, that's invaluable, you know, that somebody's going to, you know, have really good feelings about you because you, you did that and you never know when that's going to pay off in the future. So I don't know that we talked about timing too, right? I said two or three weeks for an individual contributor, two weeks seems to be industry standard, what people say, but I, I really think, you know, if you can afford them more, more time, then, you know, take more time. Uh, it's, you know, it depends on what you're comfortable with, how quickly you want to move and how quickly you think you can do that. Um, really, really good transition. And then the final step, um, I would say, is the messaging, right? Um, and that's really up to your manager. Like, who is who are you going to tell? Um, how do how do they disseminate that information within the organization that you're leaving? That's up to your manager. That's not up to you. So you can just let that manager know. Listen, you know, it's you you can set the tone like you know how quickly you want to tell people um and what you want to say to them you know and i'll follow your lead you know just let me know what it is that you want me to say and when and when not to say it right right and that and that's just courteous yeah and you know you want to communicate to the manager that hey i, I want my colleagues to at least know how to get in touch with me after i leave i don't want to you know, if you go to the office every day, I don't want to just walk out of the office at, at five o'clock on my last day, not being able to say anything to anyone about, oh, <laughs> it's my last day, you right, know? Right. But you're exactly. right. It's not really your job to disseminate that info broadly. Mm -hmm. Well, there's, there's nothing stopping you from giving your personal contact information to coworkers at any point in time, whether or not you're telling them that you're leaving. So, sure. you know, the leadership at your company might want you to like literally disappear. Like you walk out on a Friday and then you just never come back and nobody ever says anything about it until somebody goes, wait, does John still work here? And they go, no, he left. But, and that's fine, but you can still give your phone number and your email address to people as sure. long as you're not commenting on, you know, your state of employment there or, you know, whether you're leaving. And then after you've left, you know, if people reach out to you, then you're absolutely free to talk. Like, unless you have some kind of employment contract that says you're not allowed to talk to people. And right. most of the time, you won't. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. All right. I think that we've covered that pretty thoroughly, Nick. What do you think? I think so. I think that's a nice wrap up to the series. Any any last points you want to add? No, I think we 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 covered it pretty well. Um, if there's stuff that you feel like we missed or we gloss over, um, then please feel free to uh, let us know at Nerd Journey. Uh, 
tweet at us or you know send us a link one of us a linkedin message and we'll revisit the issue and and maybe do like a little bonus episode where we do 10 more minutes of clarification on something if we have left it yeah we definitely want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and we want to know if we're being helpful and we're always looking for interesting questions to ponder you've heard it but we're collectively on twitter at nerd journey all right farewell listeners tune in next time as the journey continues i'm john white at v journeyman for nick cordy at network nerd underscore signing off adios part four is a wrap